in and thank you for joining us on the Pay the Price podcast. This season is called The Dawn of the Deliculum, and you are tuning in to episode 11. In Dawn of the Deliculum, we are playing Starforged essentially as it is available to everyone. The great thing about this system is that it can be played cooperatively with no GM necessary, so everyone is a player and helps craft the story. And since there's no GM, there is practically no prep time between shows for any of us. As we do every week, we are sitting down to play with no clue where this story is going to go, so you get to listen in as it unfolds in real time. You can play just like we do and learn more about what we've got going on and show your support at patreon.com slash samurai beat. We will have patron exclusive content and we'll be publishing other shows like the midnight connection, Eddie and my conversational podcast about two dads talking about whatever we want at the only time that we can. With all that being said, let's get into the game. My name is Chris Patu and today I have with me the primary players of the pay the price podcast, starting with Mr. Eddie, the red tree Fuentes. Hola, everybody. The Guru, Roman Picardo. And the best suit sprite in the business, Ivan Palaroan. I do be that suit sprite, though. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So last time on episode 10, our intrepid crew tried to make their escape from the Iron Home Nexus after leaving their captive room and dispatching one what was his name boris 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 we dispatched boris we arrived at a makeshift mess hall of sorts and immediately took heavy fire duke was severely injured everyone else in the crew also very much injured except for Luz, who managed to get away mostly unscathed though he was impacted by a cloud of gas that had formed in the room because goshi had missed his shot <laughs> and hit a nearby pipe oops did i Des do that despite all of the the injuries the the team managed to escape the room and make it back to their ship the deliculum also on route, they discovered that the shard hunters had all had arrived on the Iron Home Nexus in pursuit of the team. And before leaving the ship, the team decided that they would sabotage the shard hunters' ship before making their escape. And now the crew is recovering on the Deliculum, making their way to the planet where we hope to find the Lady in the Lake. All right, Ivan, do you want to set the scene for us for episode 11? Yes, yes. Okay, so scene opens up with uh, Sparrow, and he's waking up in crew quarters, and he gets out of his bed and is kind of just limping limping along because, you know, his injury to his leg. So he's limping along to the bridge, um, and he eventually takes a seat, you know, where the wheel is. Uh, and he's trying to get his bearings as the ship kind of continues to make its way towards, I guess, this unnamed planet, right? We, we didn't name it yet. Which is, again, behind the black hole. And ahead of the ship is visible to them, the black hole. And as Sparrow's sitting there and staring at the black hole, uh, Sparrow begins to get lost in thought and vaguely remembers the dream that he was just having. And it's a dream of this young boy who is trying so desperately to 
uh, run um, from this collapsing star uh, that's destroying, I guess, the planet that he's on. And all he hears is like the loud screams of the village people and images of like people's bodies who's like beginning to incinerate uh, from that energy of the star. And all that he remembers left of that dream is uh, pretty much the boy standing atop a hill overlooking a village from where he ran and the flat, the white flash of like uh, the light rushing towards him until it's pretty much completely blinding. Uh, and then the sound of the bridge door uh, opens, uh, which kind of brings uh, Sparrow back to, I guess, uh, it breaks him, I guess, out of his, you know, his train of thought or like his reminiscing, I guess, of, of his, uh, his dream that he had. And he's pretty much now breaking out in like a cold sweat. And coming through the door is the rest of the Deliculum, the Deliculum crew as we all gather and plot our next move. All right, so how the hell do you think the Shard Hunters managed to track us this far? Any ideas? Well, according to the radio, we they they said something about they know she's here. So are they tracking us or are they tracking the signal? You don't think it has to do with that worm that came out of your body, right? Do you think they were using that as like a tracker of some sort? Hmm, interesting. Ooh, never thought of that tracking worms hmm oh add one momentum please yes thank you i suppose maybe some kind of bio tracking but that's some pretty specific tech that i don't know hmm you saw what that you know whatever who she was that jasmine controlling the worms who's to say that they can't use it as some sort of beans to track us you know it might be true. Well, why would they think she's here with us and not back on the planet where she was? We need to sweep this ship? Maybe we got a yeah. stowaway? We need to maybe sweep ourselves. Either one of two things is happening. Either we are really caught in between a whole bunch of coincidences, or maybe we've been screwed from the beginning. Because let's not forget why we all started this there was a package of weapons that we were supposed to deliver to durango 5. captain have you even opened those crates have you checked the cargo no i was specifically asked not to but i suppose at this point we may as well we either find something weird in there or we find weapons to give us an advantage <laughs> Either way, I think we might be past the point of keeping our original iron vow. That's been forsaken for some time. I would, I said I would smooth it over with the client. We have some history. Well, technically we could still deliver it. Depending on what it is. But part sure. of the, part of the vow, I'm sure was not opening that package. That oh. is correct. So if we're opening the package to see what's in there, we are forsaking the vow. And they wanted us to get there in a couple weeks' time, if you recall. Yeah. I don't even know what time is anymore, Captain. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree there. Well, shall we open them up? What if we accidentally open this box up? We didn't intentionally open it, right? So we'd be, <laughs> be forsaking our vows. <laughs> I knew I liked this crew. 
It's always Sparrow trying to find the way around. <laughs> Who's to say someone didn't get on board our ship unknowingly and start rifling through our stuff, right? Yeah, our, our, wasn't our first encounter. We we thought something boarded our ship, although it might have been an illusion. I don't know. Did we find some sort of wet footstep type marks in the ship after the illusion? I don't think so. That was on the other people's ship. Oh, that was the other people's ship. Yeah, we never. Still, we didn't. Did you guys find anything? Unless you've been having that? illusions you haven't told us about. Uh, I just recalled someone saying there was some gunk on on the. I thought it was on our spaceship, but you might have meant their ship. I know you mentioned you saw something on their ship that wasn't natural. Now that you mention it, it looked a whole lot like what we saw on the Nexus. Uh, Would you guys agree? We, we only saw it from the port windows. We couldn't get a. I didn't get a really good close look. Yeah, I was also on the on the delicate moon. You two went over. Honestly, at this point, I'm pretty shaken. I don't even know what I saw. Sparrow, what do you think? I mean, it might have been the same thing, but I can't be a hundred percent sure. I think it's pertinent, Captain. We should run some scans, not just of the ship, but of ourselves. I honestly do not know if we actually got rid of the purple worms from our system. Yeah, I only have basic medtech equipment on this ship. So it's only going to get us so far. But I think Luz had a point. We should probably crack open those crates. crates. Worst case, there's nothing, nothing weird in there and we just get some new weapons, you know? Look, okay. you guys, you guys can keep your precious vows. I'm gonna go ahead and say, "Fuck the vow." I'll <laughs> open the box, and Luce just trots out of the room straight into the cargo hold. Like Luce is over it at this point. Really, could care less. Yeah, no, Duke is yeah. with him. That those that vow was forsaken a long time ago, as far as he's concerned. So okay. I will forsake the vow now, though officially. I'll go ahead and do that. Because right. yeah. it is a, a, a thing, yeah. right? Hey, it hey, is. Brother. Yeah. Um, and I'll take the cost of enduring stress because I am demoralized at this point. Yeah. Right? So let me endure stress right quick. I should do that as well. Isn't so, that a move also, though? Forsake the vow? Yeah, it is. Okay. It's, currently... it's, a, it's a quest move, though, right? Yes. Yes. All right. So to endure stress, it's a negative one for minor, serious. What do we call this? Oh, what's the rank? Serious or major? Uh, let me check. Let's check. Uh, I've got troublesome, dangerous, similar to a progress track. Formidable in the in the progress track. Deliver the shipment to Durango Five was formidable. We had it listed as formidable. Yes, it's there in the progress track. Yeah, endure stress and suffer minus spirit equal to the rank of the vow. So we, if we listed the vow at troublesome. Nope. Or formidable, sorry. Ooh. That'd be a minus three. Yikes. Ooh, that would totally wipe me out <laughs> in terms of spirit. <laughs> oh. Interesting. What do we do here? Well, that's, well... 
You you say you for forsook it a long forsook. time <laughs> forsook, forsook a long time ago. Um, like I said, for this particular action, I'm more than happy to to take this in because even at three stress, I still have one spirit left. And You're gonna all. take it for the team. That's all I need. <laughs> Just one. Yeah, I'll do it. Luce is over it. It's tired of waiting. So let me take my three spirit hit. So I'm at one. And then I choose to resist, right? Yep. Similar situation. So spirit or heart, whichever is higher. Great. They're both one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's... Your, your internals are just not, not up to par, man. <laughs> so let's... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with heart. Because I got I, I feel like I got more heart than spirit right now. All right, let's see what happens. Weak hit. hit. So on a weak hit, if you're not shaken, you may lose momentum in exchange for one spirit. Otherwise, press on. Mm. I... Got one momentum. Yeah. All right. My momentum will go down to one. And my spirit will be at two. All right. And I open the box. And you open the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? What do we find in the box, Sir Luz? I don't know. Ivan has something to say. I misclicked it. (laughs) I didn't think you would do that. (laughs) That's weird. Just shakes my camera box. You can raise your hand. You're like, uh. He was like, uh, me, me, me. No, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I was like, I've never seen that before. (laughs) So that's what that does. (laughs) So that's what that does. Okay. Now we know. Excellent. We get one moment to be each for loading that. (laughs) That's funny. So. He meant to push the mute button. <laughs> so full of stress, anguish, tiredness, over itness, Luce goes to the cargo boxes, grabs a crowbar, and starts prying open these wooden boxes. And in the first wooden box, amongst like this kind of stringy hay padding, are these like black flight cases that are secured and Luce goes to open them. There's about five in there. Luce goes to open one and you just see like, you know, an insulated box with two rifles in it, all neatly pressed into like these molded casings, right? And so Luce opens the first one and sees a rifle, opens the second one and sees another rifle and the whole crew sees that it's just weapons. Right. But in the fury of not finding any answers, Luce just grabs one of, as he's going through the boxes, just like pushes one out of the way and it drops to the floor. And the casing um, falls upside down to where the weapons and the padding fall out. And you realize that the case is a lot deeper than the padding was really holding it. And the top layer of padding falling out, you see that underneath there are four vials that are filled with leeches underneath the weapon. 
Well, I'll be damned. Well, I don't care about forsaking that now. Did you know about this, Captain? Is this the kind of warfare that you're contributing to? I didn't know about that. They told me weapons. They didn't say leeches. I I guess... Yeah, I guess it could be the same thing. I guess a bioweapon is a bioweapon. Yeah, but yikes. This, considering what we've gone through, this is yuck. Who was the person that gave you this this case? I know we met him, but you told us that he was nameless. But you have to know, right? I've done some jobs for him in the past, yeah. He's He's a mysterious guy. He just kind of pops in and out of the sector every once in a while doesn't really hang around for all that for all too long you know just hits me up directly and asks for a job that's kind of been the extent of our relationship really as lucid closely examines like these cylindrical vials that have these leeches kind of like in suspended animation loose looks for any labeling or any sort of writing that can dictate what it is and on the bottom side of the vial, Lucy's a little tag that says larva specimen C-55, origin Prika. Prika? Do you see isn't what that, it says here? Isn't that where we're headed? It's the planet right behind that dead star. Why would we be shipping out leeches from Prika to other settlements? Maybe Prika is the the hub of this legion, whoever's in power is trying to control the tides of war through it. Dude, what did we just get in the middle of? Just get in the middle of? We've been in the middle of this and we didn't even know. Captain, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for this either. Uh... Well, I, I mean, I knew we were gonna impact one side of war, of course but this seems like something else altogether. Aren't there, in terms of rules of war, something against such biological weapons or use of biological weapons? There are no rules of war in the forge. Uh, I mean, the way that this was stored in that package, somebody knew that they were doing something wrong. Let's be honest. Uh, Well, if you think about what we did to the shard hunters, I imagine if these things were too mature, wherever they're going, it's going to be a nasty situation. Huh. So, is it the shard hunters are tracking these leeches, or whoever controls these leeches is projecting on purpose? I mean, they said she... So they oh, yeah. have to assume they have an interest in her, but maybe maybe their tracking is not that that precise. Maybe any kind of indication that there's a leech presence is enough for them. Oh, my first time out of the labs and I deal with this. Hey, Captain. Do these firearms work? Considering what we're up against, I'm going to need something more than this hunk of junk. Well, we're not going to test them in the ship, but as far as I can tell, they look 
normal. He looks serviceable. And Duke kind of works the, the guns over, takes out the clips, their magazines, checks them and everything. Everything seems fine. All right. I'm going to take one of these rifles Just as uh, compensation. You know, don't don't shoot the pipes next time. Okay, fair. That's fair. But in my defense, I'm your tech guy. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. Well, we all got different roles to play, and when it when shit hits the fan, you're either dead or you fight with us. So better you learn how to use one of these. Copy that. Just not in the ship. Got it. So I know I've been, I know I'm captain of this ship. And I called you all for the original job. But this is a whole nother beast. So I'd like to think of this as more of a, an equal democracy, if you will. Where does this put us now, gentlemen? How do you want to handle this? Well, other than beyond the original mission, wasn't it that you had a dream about your wife? and want to find out if the vision is true or abandon all that. I, I get it. I, I, I heard her calling and then Luz had the vision. Oh, so. Which doesn't... reinforced what I thought I heard. But now, I mean, who knows? We've been getting played since the beginning. Uh, and even if we abandon uh, trying to find your wife, we broke the vow of not opening it and do we want to deliver these to Durango 5 what's on Durango 5 by the way it's an Can outer colony mention? settlement yeah, it's a so. warring outer colony settlement that we are supposed to deliver weapons to change the tide and help one side but these things won't just change the tide it might just take over it depends who's in control right so I mean, then, we've clearly seen at least one entity be able to actually manipulate and control these leeches. Who's to uh, say that somewhere on Prika there's not some sort of lab where this is all going down? So do we take it upon ourselves to defeat the greater threat as the person controlling these leeches, or do we take it to the authorities? But then again, who will believe us? There's not much of an authority out in the forge either. Yeah, we're way out here. So are we going to be the good guys in this situation from the information that we have? We could just wipe our hands of it and walk away. By the way, we're being tracked. I don't think we can walk away from anything. Uh, agreed with Luz. We may not be walk away I, either from the shard hunters or from uh, this Jasmine person. We did kill a bunch of them. We're going to have hell to pay. We've killed them. We've ingested and been a part of leeches. We've had visions of this place. This is where we're meant to go. I think we need to get down to Prika. We need to see this to the end. And if anything... We know that these shard hunters are coming, which means they'll probably try to find that lab. Maybe we get there first and we set up an ambush for them. 
or maybe maybe we get an answer and we can we can tell them hey we're with you you know I'm agreeing with just getting there first and then sorting it out later yeah I think we uh, I think we finished this job regardless we've already made it this far and knowing all of you I know that none of us here are quitters I think we see this through to the end Duke is rubbing his uh, the shoulder that took the shot say well I guess we better uh, take the time we have to patch ourselves up this, this has the makings of being a pretty nasty situation when we get there so shall we try to research to see if we have anything in our databanks about Prika and head for Prika I think we've done that before. We, yeah, we have the coordinates. Okay. Yeah, no one knows that this planet, people didn't even know that it was behind the the black hole. Uh, yeah, presumed to be inaccessible. Uh, but I access we'll find it, out. we will. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, to Preka it is, and considering it's a black hole, do we need to make any special preparations, Captain? No, I think we had um, some. We had gotten something that yeah, we got the gave the, us the means to to work navigate around the correct coordinates out of the the queen. That was oh, the deal. Yes. Yeah. So, so she wants us there for some reason or another. All right then. So I'll trust in Sparrow's navigation. I'm gonna try to rest and see if I can cough up any more of this blood out of my lungs <laughs> Luce walks away well before you go Luce how about, how about this we don't know what we're going to find out obviously this this whole thing has been a shit show it's gone sideways more times than I can count but I will do this and say that I will vow to all of you that no matter what happens, I will have your back. And we make it out of this one way or another as a team. I will make that vow. And he takes out his his icon. At this point, you guys are probably all I've got left. All right, Captain, no need to get emotional. <laughs> Luce pulls out his black iron ring and holds it in the palm of his hand and says... I guess if we're going to die, it might as well not be alone. So I vow to have your guys' backs as well. It's vow time. Would you ask? It's vow time. It's vow time. Deliculum crew? Deliculum. <laughs> All right. Should we fast forward? We can fast forward. All right. Well, let's get to Prika. All right. Okay. Who wants to bring us in? There's only one navigator on this ship. <laughs> so are we just assuming we just get there already? Because that's what's happening? Well, I or imagine it would be... Am I rolling for this? I think you'd probably roll, right? Uh, you could take it either way. That's true. If you want to just progress it. Yeah. We are pretty close because this the nexus was in the space around the black hole. Right. Yeah. It's up to you. 
I'll just take it home. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So <clears throat> Sparrow takes the wheel and he's basically guiding the ship around the black hole. And he basically uses the uh, black hole's gravitational pull to basically swing us around to uh, planet Prika. And as we approach planet Prika, it's this pretty... I wouldn't say peaceful, but it's it definitely has this like eerily calm vibe to it just because it's so out in space alone away from everything. Um, and Sparrow brings in the ship, basically motions the whole crew to kind of strap down as we uh, enter the uh, atmosphere of Prika. Um, and he's coming down as as he's coming down, um, he verifies the coordinates that uh, what's her name? Uh, the Jasmine lookalike uh, gave us and notices the, I guess, ring of like mountaintops, uh, uh, approximately where in the direction of where the coordinates would be. And as he brings the ship down over the mountaintops, the see the clear lake at the bottom of the middle. And as he's coming down, Sparrow's looking for a spot to land and notices a good, like, good space, I guess, by the uh, waterfront where he, he can kind of land the ship. And brings it down. And... Uh, what else? I guess we got there in one piece. As, as the Deliculum touches down in this clearing right by the lake, all of a sudden the cargo bay erupts in noise as all the larvae from all the containers start shrieking at a very dull level, but because there's so many packages and so many little larvae still encased, you hear like this. Nice. What the hell is that? Is that the larva? It sounds like the cargo bay. Maybe mm, the larva know I, that they're home. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I hit anything on the way down. Well, we could uh, let them free. Ah. We just pitch these boxes out of the cargo hold and see what they do. Yeah, I can't stand that screaming noise. Let's go and do it. You guys didn't keep those headphones. At what point? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Running through this nexus in Iron Home. So the crew goes to the cargo bay where, like, all these stacks of boxes still closed have this, like, muted shrieking going on inside them. And it's, it's almost like the, the leeches are in pain. And... The one package or the four vials that had been opened, you know, the leech was kind of like in suspended animation that those leeches are now like wiggling and they're pressed up as much as possible towards one particular side of the vial. And what we come to realize is that the side of the vial that they're pressed up to is the side that faces the lake. And it's almost like they're trying to get to the water. And Luce turns to Captain and says, Captain, you know, 
the only place to dump this is going to be the water. So unless anyone has any better ideas, it's, I think we get this the hell off of our ship. Yeah. Keep the guns, dump the rest. Okay. All right, guys, help me with this. All right. I will, I will help Luz start chucking these into the lake. How big are these uh, crates? Do we need a dolly, I guess? Do we, we don't have a lift on the on the ship, correct? Yeah, I'm probably two, just going to do it by hand. Yeah, two okay. men could handle a crate. Copy. All right, here we go, Luke. Plus, it'll be a lot lighter without those weapons in them. All right. We can put a few more of the vials, or we should just four to a box. Yeah, let's throw it all. All the boxes. Got it. All right, we take out the rifles, start throwing it out the box. Not, excuse me, start throwing it into the lake. So as we throw the larvae in their containers into the lake, we start to see that they immediately start glowing blue again. And since the water is pretty clear, we can't really see the outline of the vial, but we can see the blue light of all these different larvae going to the very bottom of the lake and kind of like uniting around one spot in the dead center, deepest part of the lake. I take it this is the lake you saw in your vision. It definitely looks like it, sir. All right, one, two, three. One box goes into the lake. Ready for the next one, Luz? Yeah. All right. Here we go. I don't want to be here any longer than we have to. I don't like the look of this. So what's the plan for landing here? Where are we? Where do we go from here? Well, I don't have any wetsuits on board. No oxygen tanks either. And just as just as Duke is, you know, sort of thinking about a creative way to navigate the water you hear a couple of voices from from behind the crew he said oh you won't be needing those we're glad you'd finally arrived and startled duke turns around but just sort of automatically puts his hand on his weapons and uh, he turns to see two figures two of the ro red robed figures from the planet not the same ones but same garb same eerie look to them but much more talkative this time and they don't look hostile or combative and as he said they were expecting to see us interesting we weren't sure you'd make it the queen said you'd be on your way but we thought you might have gotten waylaid on your way here. We're glad you have arrived. And just who exactly are you guys? I didn't even realize you red robes could talk. We serve the queen. Luce looks around to the crew and just says, oh, okay. Not sure if we're going hostile with this or what we're doing. I've seen enough red robes. I don't even know who to trust anymore. 
I don't even know if they're all working for the same organization. How can we trust you, Red Robes? We could have killed you if we wanted. Not really the best way to build trust between two strangers. But it is the truth. You're here at the Queen's invitation, are you not? Did we get invited by the Queen? I don't think we did. We were just kind of... You were directed here. Yes. Boss, did you get an invitation? Well, I wanted to know where the where my wife supposedly was, so I suppose I asked for it. <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Luce turns to the two robe figures and says, All right, well, let's start with at least you giving us your names. What do we call you? Hoodie? <laughs> We're simply referred to as the Scarlet Guard. Once we take service with the queen, we do away with individual names. Okay, so it's like a cult kind of thing. I see. Well, we came here to investigate a woman. Luce goes into detail about the vision that he had and asks the Scarlet Guard... What do you know about this woman? What can you tell us? Everything has brought us here. So what's the next step? The, the two Scarlet Guards exchange a look. And, uh, and he says, Oh, it's fascinating. You've seen this woman before in your visions, I take it? More than one of us have. They have this sort of satisfied look on their faces say well i hate to disappoint you what you see is not exactly who is down there it's more uh what you what you saw in your vision was more a manifestation of let's say the power source that is here on this planet the power source Yes, you've seen our you've seen the leeches and what they can do, have you not? Yeah. They can both give and take certain type of power. So this is the home where you mine the leeches? To put it simply, yes. Well then show us. Gladly. And he he fishes out from his robes these uh they're like makeshift face coverings. I mean, not makeshift, but they're, you know, they're kind of crude looking. You almost don't trust them because they're kind of, you know, low tech solutions. But he says, these will allow you to make it to the, to our center at the bottom of the lake. And he put, they both put on their own as well. So if they're going to, you know, if we're going to drown, so will they, <laughs> basically. The other Scarlet Guard pulls out four additional red robes and places it over us and says if we're going down there you guys will need to wear these robes red is the only color that the leeches do not attack so if you want to be safe wear the robes and wear the masks and the scarlet guard jump into the water so uh, we have each other's backs, right? As Duke is putting everything on. 
I guess. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, this isn't the weirdest thing we've done. Spare's <laughs> looking at the water at the two uh, road, uh, like red, the Scarlet Guard dudes. It's like, yeah, it doesn't seem like the worms are going near them. So I mean, I guess the, you know, what they said about the red is true. So. All right. Well, let's hit it then. Before we go down there, let's assume the shard hunters are still tailing us. Do we want to? Leave some breadcrumbs for them? For them to follow us? Yeah. And not wear red? They could be our only hope. <laughs> it's a pretty devious plan, Captain. Hey. Yeah. I, it, it's our butts are there. You know what I mean? Mm. Leave leave a message on the on the ship's computers. Something. I assume they'll search it. I can leave a message. What do you want it to say? No, I can't be a message. They'll know it's a trap. Maybe on our, our map inside the ship, we can mark the waypoint at the bottom of the lake. That way they know that's where we're going. That's simple enough. You, you can leave a message. Just make it make it look like it was something we had discovered on our own. You know what I mean? Ah, got it. I can leave the message like that discovered a signal at the bottom of the lake gone to investigate hopefully they've got red they might actually know that actually mm, I mean they, they they do study the essentia exactly they weren't wearing red when they were in the caves though this is true maybe we they just, were after <laughs> maybe we just dealt oh my goodness am I right <laughs> Am I right? This is not the time no. for jokes, Captain. God damn it. All right, let's go. Is that your coping mechanism? Sometimes. Make jokes. This is weird, okay? Never done anything like this before. I don't know how to handle the situation. As he strolls out of the ship with his new, newly donned red robes and mask. Luce is right behind him in his red robe and mask secures his blades to his body and his pistol to his hip and dives right into the water. All right, we'll see you at the bottom of the lake, gentlemen. After you, Captain. I put on my mask, put on my robe. Okay, this is what I get for leaving the labs. And he jumps in. So it's a really weird sensation to, to breathe through this device. You know, it's kind of it. It covers the nose and the and the bottom half of the face, but you you don't really understand how it's working. But it does. It actually it's scary at first because it will actually take water into it, and then somehow in the process of doing that, it extracts the oxygen for you to breathe. But here, realizing that water is rushing into the mask is very off-putting. And so it's, you know, anxiety inducing, really stressful and unusual, but it does work. So we make our way down to the lake and the lake by and large is there's not, there's not like much in it. You know, it's very barren, even though it's a large lake, you would typically expect there to be some sort of 
underwater life, but there's not much there at all. Um, there, there are some, some leeches still kind of hanging around that didn't manage to get free of their containers. And you can see, you can still see that they are very much trying to make their way, whatever it's going to take to get to the bottom of the lake. And as we get down deeper, the water chills. There, there's this point where there's a significant drop in the temperature and it's like chilling to the bone. And, and the light is not reaching as far down in the depths anymore. Up ahead, you can, st you can see some, some lighting from a building. And that's really the only waypoint that we have to work with. But it is, it's a tough swim, just in terms of distance, the chill, the unusual circumstances, and the darkness. It's, you know, it, it's enough to make most people turn around and just leave. But the team presses on. And we come to a structure. It's remarkably clean on the outside for a structure that's sitting underwater it's got um, a particular kind of metal on the outside that does not give way to rust uh, and as far as you can tell this is a freshwater lake you didn't ex you know you're not you're not tasting or you know sen sensing any of the saltiness so clean water as far as we can tell a clean looking establishment it's got you know, rounded sort of nodules and different compartments to it that are it almost looks like a space station underwater so um, different sections of it connected by tubes and hallways right so j just thinking as, as we're approaching it you look strategically and there's a lot of choke points a lot of places where if there were to be a you know a break somewhere could be very problematic so duke is thinking as we're going down like this maybe was just a, a you know a typical land space station at some point and uh because it has that kind of look to it and maybe they had secured it and play and brought the water or produced the water or something mm. and put it on it so to, as to obscure it. Um, that would be his guess. And so we come down to, to one of the outside nodules and it's, it's essentially a, a space dock or like a, a, an airlock. So we go into the outer door, find ourselves in a, a flooded compartment. And as, as the Scarlet Guard seals the outer door, they release the water out and open up a pressurized room for us. And so once the room reaches pressure stability, the second set of doors open up. And what the crew sees is a bunch of red hooded figures, all working like a colony of ants hustling and bustling to and fro from all these modules and 
tight corridors, but somehow never getting in anyone's way. And what you see down the long corridor is that the Scarlet Guard that's leading the crew is leading them straight from that gate or pressurized door into a deeper part of the facility. And from looking down this incredibly straight hallway, we notice that it kind of curves down and it's descending. So even though we're at the bottom of the lake, part of this facility is built into the terrain at the bottom of the lake. And now we're going into the earth. The Scarlet Guard leads us and tells us about how they've been here for millennia. And the reason that they colonized this place is because they found a particular resource when they were excavating this land that was previously not waterlogged. But once they made the discovery, they knew that it would change possibly the fate of every planet. So they decided to bury it and be the keepers of the secret. And while they're telling us, we're just looking at one another, counting exits, figuring out what the best way out is in case, you know, shit hits the fan. <clears throat> and we finally come to this set of doors. All the other doors in this place have been kind of metallic, circular, parting from the middle. But this one door is very ornate and it has like gold plating on it and it is not circular. It is in fact rectangular, a little bit square. And it's a really heavy door because you can tell from all the hissing and the pistons pressurized loosening in order for it to open up. And when it opens up, we see that in this cavernous room, very different from the rest of the clean metallic facility. It, it's almost like the door opens up into an underwater cave. And in this underwater cave, you start hearing like a low groan, gargling like sub frequency that is reverberating inside of this cave. It's very dark, damp, badly lit and incredibly cavernous and the scarlet guard kind of parts for us to continue walking and signal for us to keep moving down into the darkness and as we do we can feel the low frequency of the grumble get stronger and we start feeling it in our chest and that's when we realized that the entire 25 foot back wall is actually one organism one queen-like insect that's abdomen and body takes up the entirety of the back wall and in the so in the back part of the thorax it's almost blended into the cave wall and all of a sudden the room starts getting lit because the entire back wall has these tiny little cocoons of larva that are now glowing fluorescent blue. And we see that this beast, insect, monster thing is possibly like the hive mother. 
of all these larvae. The Scarlet Guard turns to us and says, the queen would like to speak with you. Yeah, Duke doesn't know what to say. That, that, <laughs> that's that's the queen? That, we're we're going to talk to that? This is the queen you serve? Yes, this is the queen. You may know her as Jasmine. Duke is very confused. That's your wife, Captain? Oh, I sure hope not. The queen goes, Welcome to my chamber. I am glad you made it this far. There's a, a figure. We, we didn't notice because of the, you know, the sheer size and surprise of what we're taking in but there is a figure a womanly figure in the cave that sort of emerges from the darkness and that's that's where the voice is actually coming from and duke sees the figure and he he just can't believe his eyes because it is jasmine but it's not at the same time. And so he's, you can see just the, the, the whole range of emotions that he's going through because it's, it's, it's her, it's her body, right? It, it's exactly as he remembers her. Of course, as she comes into, into view and into the light, it's her body's changed obviously it is not her voice anymore and then the body looks pale kind of i mean surprisingly intact but also looks dead at the same time and he's he's confused he do, he's he's feeling you know, upon seeing her at first, there's a, a wave of of excitement, even joy almost, and then quickly turns to very deep sadness at realizing that what he sees is essentially the remnant of his wife that is being used by this leech queen as a an avatar of sorts and he's completely shaken hunter thank you for hearing my voice i didn't think you would come what have they done to you they have made me better I can feel the universe now. Come, join us. You can feel the universe of the forge. I don't, I don't understand why, why of all people, why of all people did it have to be you? It no longer matters. We are one with the universe. Come. You and your friends, since you heeded the call, can join us. 
Duke is he's locked. He's not he can't make a decision. He can't he can't do anything right now. There's just way too much that he's processing. So in that moment, you know, Duke turns and is just frozen. But from the perspective of Luce, the figure that comes out of the darkness is not Duke's wife. The figure that comes out of the darkness from Luce's eyes is his mother that died on their iron home when Luce was just a child and the the star broke on their planet. And while, um, while Duke is having this moment of shock, Luce is also having this moment of shock because he realizes that he hasn't seen his mother in 30 years and all of a sudden feels like a little boy again, just wanting to help and save his mother. The words that are being said by his mother are the exact same as Duke is hearing. But from the eyes of Luce, it is his mother. And he is also in a state of shock, disbelief, but more so in a state of complete weakness and ready to do whatever he can to save his mom, because that's his internal trauma. While all this is going on, Goshi sees one of his crash mates and a crash is one of the groups that were being tested on. This was subject number 53, someone who he was close with before all the alterations done by his organization. Although he doesn't see Captain's wife or Lucy's mother, he sees someone who was with him during the trials. And coincidentally, he remembers now her name was Jazz, short for Jasmine. And he hears the same thing about joining them because they can feel the universe. And Goshi starts shaking in fear and anger and under not understanding what's going on and how she could be here because he knows she died during the tests and operations. How could you be here? Jazz, what are you doing here? And he falls to his knees in disbelief. So I could do this two ways. I'm not going to do the first way I wanted to. Do it whatever you want. That's the whole point. Whatever you want. I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be like everybody else was seeing things, but like Sparrow's the only one's like. 
That's fine. That's go fine. with it. Yeah, that's go fine. with it. It's Whatever. okay. This is a group effort. Maybe you're the only one of us that's actually dealt with their trauma. Yes. <laughs> yes Why not? I mean, my character, my character doesn't remember his past, so it's like. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's that's true. the well, benefit. That's fine. That's the benefit. You, that's why you're moon. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll go with it. I'll go with it. There you go. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, okay. And action. <laughs> so, we so are, as we're getting hot. Sorry. As everybody <laughs> the mics else, are hot. As everybody else is like, I guess, succumbing to their own like past, I guess, traumas or, or you know, past memories, um, seeing this, you know, leech queen as for what they see it, Sparrow's just kind of staring, you know, at the crew and it's just kind of like wondering like why everybody is having the reactions that they are and starts questioning like why people are seeing, uh, I guess, different visions of this leech queen than what sparrow was seeing because all sparrow sees is still just the uh what is it the the body of of this of this leech queen in the wall and he's he's just kind of questioning you know why he alone isn't seeing what everybody else is seeing so as as sparrow is taking in the scene and trying to figure out why the rest of the crew is just sort of locked in some sort of experience that he doesn't understand or relate to you see a through the door uh four scarlet guard walk into the room and they're each carrying leeches but they're a little different from what we've seen before uh, so these they're almost um they, they don't just have you know a regular little leech shape they're they're they just seem special in some way and they're hold they're carrying them in a very delicate manner as if they respect them highly you know and the, the four scarlet guard approach the team and each they each stand in front of one of us and while while the three of the crew who are bewitched currently can't do anything about it sparrow is seeing this whole thing take place and of course you know you can you can react to it but you you watch as the first ones stand in front of the rest of us and basically take the leech and they're about to make us swallow them. So they, they, they very gently with, with long, lanky, decrepit looking hands tilt, tilt our heads back. And you're just watching it in disgust at this because we're not doing anything about it. And, uh, very gently pry our mouths open and dangle these special leeches over over us and there's another one who walk, who follows in after a fifth one and he's just he's talking to the queen essentially he's just saying it looks like looks like they've decided to join us but it doesn't they don't seem to have noticed that you are not buying in and as the fourth one stops in front of you sparrow and reaches out for your head 
what do you do? Sparrow grabs his arm and kind of just, just stops him before he really, like, grabs Sparrow's face to basically force-feed him this worm. And, you know, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you feeding me this? He has a shocked look on his face. And you you, you can barely, actually, underneath the rope, you can barely see the, the fullness of his face. But you can tell. That there's a reaction there that he was not expecting. And he retracts the leech quickly and then looks to the other ones. And then and also to the talks to the fifth one that entered and says, this one, he's not ready. And the, the fifth one starts walking towards you very intently. I'm going to ask you again, why were you trying to feed me this worm, this leech? Well, your compatriots have decided to join us. Join you for what? To be a part of our collective. Wouldn't you like to do the same? I don't think any of us decided to just join your collective here. Well, they don't appear to be rejecting the offer. And you can see that they're they're getting ever closer to just dropping these things in our mouths. So from the perspective of Luce specifically, like we'll switch perspective to Luce's perspective. And Luce, in his mind, is back on his iron home, being destroyed, life support running out, and just holding his mother in his hands. And his mother turns to him and says, I've been waiting so long for you to finally be here. You're the only one who's strong enough to protect me. And I need you. I need you to protect me. Please promise me that you'll do everything you can to protect me. And Luce is just, for being someone who holds everything in all the time and keeps it really chill, Luce is just bawling for his mother and saying, yes, I can protect you. Like, just tell me how, like, I'm not strong enough. Tell me how. But from the perspective of Sparrow, Luce is just there completely frozen in the moment, mouth agape, completely limp, about to swallow this larva 2.0. Yeah, Duke sees, he's he's totally in his own mind scene as well, and he's, he's talking with Jasmine, he just doesn't understand. He's like, I don't, how could this possibly be what happened to you? I would have rather you just died. And she says, no, it's fine. I know this is not what you were hoping for, but this is better. And you should join us. Trust me. You can have everything you wanted. We'll be together again. And Duke is... The internal conflict is all over the place for him because he happy to see her terrified that she's different that she seems dead anyway but longing so badly to be with her again he's he's almost willing to do it and in the moment he is and he he's acquiescing just just because 
he's latching on to the possibility that she might be right, that she might be telling the truth, that they can be together and actually be happy in some, even if it is in some other reality that he'd never even considered before. He would throw it all away. Is there a move to do a mental battle? Well, this is what I was thinking. Because, you know, it's about to go down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out what move it is. Is it a version of combat? I was thinking we do begin the scene. Yes, there it is. Right? And so we begin the scene, which establishes a tension clock. So it's essentially us trying to... Um, you know, achieve our success condition before the clock expires. Right. Right. My only thing with that is I feel like we're already fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like from my from my perspective, we there's we're not getting out of this. The only way we're getting out of this is one of two ways. And both of those ways that I'm imagining, I won't say because I don't want to, you know, influence anyone. But the only way we could get out of this is through external influence. Mm -hmm. it, it's almost like we're under a spell right now. Like we need something to break that spell because we are not aware that we're in this. Right. Right. Because we're we're getting like emotionally traumaed. True. Yeah, but we could we could do so if we were to start it as a scene, right? Then we could do face danger, um, which is uh, attempting something risky or reacting to an imminent threat within a scene. Right. And so it could be like 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 what Roman was looking for is some kind of mental battle that's playing yeah. out. Because my character has has something because it's it's in the backstory it's also within the the assets so and if well, not, if extra but... yeah and, and if, if an external factor comes in it just moves us forward mm -hmm. right in our effort to overcome it yeah because if we if i fail this mental battle then i'm gonna swallow the worm yikes <laughs> tequila anyone and this so, explains why they're all sort of autonomous. Yes. Right? Like they, they're just in sync entirely with each other. Mm. They've decided, they, well, they've not decided, but they've joined. Because, again, I, because of my backstory, I, and since I went with it, I remembered something about my backstory. So, yeah, I might have to agree out of all the moves, it's begin the scene. That's what I think. Yeah. And this is probably our only way to internally get out. And if we fail, we failed. Pay the price, which is obvious. Pay the ultimate price. Pull the ultimate. <laughs> Swallow the worm. So begin the scene, a scene challenge? Or have we already begin the scene? Uh, no, I don't I mean, technically we haven't. But 
Yeah, what, do you guys think that that'll work? Because begin the scene and then either face danger or secure an advantage would be the next. Yeah. Okay, I guess we can begin the scene. Why not? Let's do it here. This is our moment to get out, including Ivan, who's who's like external, but the rest of us is in internal. So let's. I'm gonna say begin the scene, and this is the one moment we gotta try to get out. Objections, abstentions. So when you face an extended or complex challenge, name your objective and choose a rank as appropriate. So we could just be simply escaping the yeah escape the spell the, or something yeah the the queen's influence or something like that so that is a progress track then well it or the objective oh you just says name the objective correct yeah name your objective and choose a rank okay so it's another words it's another kind of progress yeah, track so let me see if we do when we face danger we do make a progress track mm-hmm um, and we're and we're pretty much facing danger the entire time. But I think we talked right. about leveraging other moves if they fit. Right. And That's just, what I was asking. Yeah. Um, so we're, I would say we are unprepared and outmatched, which, which would make it at least formidable. Yes, I agree there. Uh, and then it says activate. Well, the description says a four segment tension clock and face danger or secure an advantage to take action. I don't know if four sounds a little light, personally. Maybe we do six. So we got four, six, eight, and ten. Uh, four just makes the scene... Um, Very fast. Fast, that's it. <laughs> I mean, it would have to be fast. They're holding it that's, that's in true. our open true. mouth. Yeah. All right. If that's the way we want to do it. Or And we could have four for each of us. Right. We could each have, well, except maybe Sparrow. Ah. So maybe we each have a clock of our own. Yeah. Found it. A scene challenge is an optional structured approach for resolving an extended non-combat scene against a threat or other characters. So... Okay, so, so Sparrow might be acting in a combat scenario, whereas we are not. Correct. Or you can help us secure an advantage. Yes. Yeah. So I think we do it that way. We each yeah. get a, a four count clock of our own. Okay. Each. Okay. I'll go do my own. Four count. And it's almost certain, correct? Uh, I see. advance. Or. Oh, I'd say likely at likely. the lowest is what I would say. Hmm. Let's give us ourselves a chance. We'll go likely. <laughs> this is our chance. Seventy-five percent chance 75. the clock ticks every at every chance we yes. take. <laughs> Lose dice. <laughs> hey, because I kind of want to play my character like is not aware. Okay, that's fine. You can. You're allowed to. Yeah, and Duke was kind of. He's kind of in the middle, right? Like he he knows something's not fully right. Yeah, Luce is trauma triggered by his dead mom as That's a child, fine. so. Yeah. That's fine. All right. The only way I'm getting out is if someone helps me. 
External. <laughs> external. Hint, hint, hint. All right. Who would like to start? Counts. Well, I'll just I'll just roll then. Cause, okay. Right. You go. Let's see. I could put I could put a roll here. Maybe oh, I should do that. that yeah. Ninety-five. Where are you going? Ninety-five. Wow. You dodged oh, no, it. You so dodged I... it. <laughs> Flawless. Dang. Flawless. Flawless. Too easy for him. I'm just chilling with my moms. Yeah. This guy beats a 90. <laughs> beats the 75. Oh, wait. Oh, I keep it 90. Mine's okay. 90, yeah. All right. Um, wow. Wow. See? Wow. Nice, nice roll. <laughs> nice Thanks. roll. 95. You All know right. what? I'll go. Seeing his friend Jazz, he realizes. He blames his organization for her death. And he gets an inkling that this should not be. And he makes the roll. Oh, and he says, 45. And he realizes, come on, Goshi. Let's make it like old times. And he hits one. Alright. So Duke is experiencing the internal strife and partially aware that, that something is not jiving. And he makes his first roll. 21. He doesn't dodge a damn thing. <laughs> one tick for Duke. <laughs> Oh my gosh! He he can't he can't escape the possibility, and he's he he gives in, even if just a little bit. The sparrow. You are the you see somehow, Luz has given just the slightest bit of resistance. And you can kind of see that. Um, where, whereas the three of us, or the, uh, whereas Goshi and Duke are standing very limp, Luz is actually responding a little. Like you, you can see his body start to kind of regain a little bit of control, which, you know, and it surprises you a little bit. But what's your move? I'm not doing one of these. So uh, would I do a enter the fray? If you're I mean, going to fight if them. If you're going to fight somebody, yeah. You could also aid us. Oh, aid your ally. It can buff up our, our rolls to get out of this. And they, they are, you do still have the one that's right in front of you and the other one who's kind of bearing down on you. They are not hostile yet. I aid my ally though well what do you think Sparrow would actually do and then we'll I mean, at find, this point, find a suitable move for it at this point I, I would I would probably just uh, I'd probably pull out my gun at this point honestly <laughs> here we go here we go I think it would be more or less like a uh like don't feed me that shit or I will shoot you kind of thing. Alright. Go for it. 
So you're not entering or, combat not, yet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a four. It's a it's a warning. It's a warning. I don't know what I don't know what. I think that that's be, scare advantage because making preparations. Or you can Attempt try to, to compel somebody. Don't give me that worm. Let's take a look. Yeah, I think you could do either one. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. I will threaten or incite. I will threaten. With iron. Right. There you go. With your black iron pistol. Black iron pistol. Oh, strong hit. Yeah, Buddy. On a strong hit, they'll do what you want or agree to your conditions. Take plus one momentum. Oh, I'll take that plus one. I'll take that plus one. Okay, so Sparrow, Sparrow's like, pulls out his gun and is like pointing at the dude's head. The guy had like right in front of him. And is like, you better like put that fucking worm down. <laughs> and then, you know, he's like threatening, um, threatening him to tell his other, uh, what are they? Scarlet? Scarlet guard. Scarlet guard. guard. Uh, people to Put, also put their worms down. Uh, so the, I mean, which they hesitantly, I guess hesitantly do, I guess. Well, well you, <laughs> so you're <laughs> persuading the one. So the, the guy right in front of you backs off. He doesn't put the worm down because they, they revere them that much, but he does sort of take it back in and, and protect it kind of like a, like a football. Right. So he's, he's got it covered up. And he does, he steps away from you. And then you hear right behind you, closer than you thought he would be, the, the fifth one whispers, you should not have done that. And then you feel, you feel something, well, you hear a, a weapon escaping a, uh, a sheath of some kind. And we'll find out what happens next time. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Thanks for tuning in to Dawn of the Deliculum on the Pay the Price podcast. Dawn of the Deliculum and the Pay the Price podcast are products and trademarks of Samurai Beat LLC, which is a fan-funded organization made for you and made possible by you at patreon.com slash samuraibeat. We seek to entertain and enable adulting gamers like you, and we appreciate your support, your confidence, and your inspiration. Thank you.